Psychology Today magazine claimed or estimated that more than 10 million Americans are practitioners of some type of healing or another. As a matter of fact, they break them down and break down these groups, and, and somehow they lump the Christians together with all the other weird groups uh, like the metaphysics and the occultists and the uh, shiatsus and Eastern meditation, and all of them kind of got lumped together. But it could be part of the problem is, and the confusion in the mind of some is that some Christians, when they speak about healing, they often speak in similar language to those who are not. They say that you have the power within you to be healed. I mean, putting man to be in the place of God. That basically God is there to obey you. <laughs> and that healing power is, is in you, and you're the one who decides. And when that happens, people get confused. Uh, and to make a distinction between what the real faith is all about, which we have been talking about in this series of messages, and how it works. And some churches are claim that only the pastor has the power of healing. And certainly that's not biblical, as we have been seeing how when the Holy Spirit gave the spiritual birthday gifts, He gave the gifts to the body. And different people in the body have different gifts. But I was reading about one of those churches that believed that only the pastor has the gift of healing. And there was an announcement, and the announcement went something like this, no healing service this week due to the pastor's illness. All of the gifts are all for the body. And the Scripture clearly indicates that the gifts of the Holy Spirit operates in the body, not in that super-duper stage walker preacher. So what is the problem here? And how do these churches really go wrong? Well, the answer is of uttermost importance, and I hope you're listening carefully, because it applies to all of the gifts, not just the gift of healing. The moment the glory of Jesus becomes secondary, the gift and its power become ineffective. The moment the flesh and the pride enters in, the Holy Spirit goes out. The moment the heart becomes contaminated with self-importance, the Holy Spirit power is quenched. The moment faith is used for self-centered ends, then faith is no longer operative. On the other hand, when the glory of Jesus is paramount, when the glory of Jesus plus nothing is in operation, then the gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do their work. In fact, a story told about Martin Luther, the great reformer, and how he absolutely only sought the glory of God. And, and this particular incident took place in 1540, where there's a man whom none of us have heard of, but was a very dear friend of Luther. He was really his right-hand man. He helped him a great deal in the reforming of the church and transforming of the church during that very dark time in Europe. That man's name was Frederick Mekinos. He was very sick, really sick and weak, lost all his strength. And uh, he gathered enough strength to be able to sit and write a farewell letter to Martin Luther and to say goodbye to him because he's now going to glory. Let me read to you what Martin Luther did in response to that farewell letter. And I'm quoting here. He said, I command you in the name of God to live 
because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying. This is my will, and may my will be done, because I seek only, and here it is, I seek only to glorify the name of God. And Frederick regained his strength and outlived Martin Luther by two months. (laughs) When the glory of God plus nothing is an operation. You can pray in faith, trusting, believing that God will do far more, greater things than we can even imagine. When you have an undiluted desire for the glory of God, God will hear and answer prayers. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, the Apostle Paul talks about the gifts in the plural of healings in the plural. The fact that those two words, gifts and healings, are in the plural is very significant. What is the Word of God saying to us? The Word of God is saying to us that just as there are varieties of gifts of healings, there are varieties of healings, that there is spiritual healing, and there is emotional healing, and there is physical healing. Most often we focus on the physical healing and don't realize that there is a bigger picture and a greater picture in the Scripture. Let me show you the spiritual healing. The Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew thirteen fifteen, said the following. He's talking about the hardness of the heart of His hearers who are refusing to believe in Him. And He said, For this people's heart has been hardened, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes are closed less any time they should see with their eye and hear with their ear and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. What kind of healing is he talking about here? He is talking about spiritual healing. How does this spiritual healing work? Listen carefully, please. When you lead someone to Christ, when you lead someone who is not a believer to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are the instrument in God's hand to bring someone to faith in Christ, you are exercising your spiritual gift of healing, spiritual healing. When you help a wayward or backslidden or misguided Christian and help that person to repent and come back to the Lord, you are exercising the gift of spiritual healings. In fact, that's what the Apostle Peter said in that well-known passage, and often it's misapplied, and I'm going to explain to you why. 1 Peter 2.24, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He said, and He Himself bore our sins. He didn't say bore our diseases. He said bore our sins in His body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by His wounds we are made whole. We are spiritually healed. By His dying on that cross, by shedding of His blood, we have been made spiritually whole. We have become spiritually and permanently and eternally saved. We have become permanently and eternally spiritually healed. Why? Because of the cross. 
I know some people like to apply this passage to a physical healing. There are a lot of other passages for physical healing, but not this one. Everything about this passage is about sin and about righteousness and about spiritual healing, being transformed from death to life, being transformed from hell to heaven, being transformed from darkness into light of Jesus Christ. That's the spiritual healing he's talking about. But listen. When a body is physically healed, and I'm going to come to that in a minute, sooner or later, eventually, that body will die. But when a person spiritually healed, that person never, 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 never die. You have Jesus' word on it. So what this emotional healing then? In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Lord Jesus Christ goes into his hometown church <laughs> the synagogue in Nazareth. And he goes there and he sits in the synagogue and he grabs the scroll and he opens it to Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah was prophesying about Jesus 700 years before he came. And after he read from the prophecy of Isaiah, he said, now this prophecy has been fulfilled in your ears. Let me read it to you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and to recover the sight of the blind, and set at liberty those who are bruised or brokenhearted. The word brokenhearted here means those who are emotionally and mentally being shattered. Those who are emotionally and mentally have fallen apart. And what causes that shattering? What causes this falling apart? Sin and demonic forces. That's what causes the problem. And whether it's our sin or somebody else's sin who sinned against us, sin is sin. Listen, when a demonic force combined with you opening your heart for Him to come in and set up a beachhead, what the Bible calls a stronghold, then you are being harassed by the enemy. Hear me right on this one. For liberating spiritually, for liberating emotionally, bruised and brokenhearted people, there is only one power, and that's the authority of Jesus. Not even the person who's been given the gift, but Jesus' power and Jesus' authority can set the captives free. Beloved, listen to me. You don't have to look very far to realize that we live in a society where the foundation has been crumbling under our feet, where right is wrong and wrong is right where we are seeing with our own eyes that we are spending millions of dollars on saving the whales, but then killing babies in their mother's womb, then our churches have rationalized and accepted sinful lifestyle. Our churches have rationalized and accepted demonic activities in the lives of believers as if it's a norm. And not only that, we are morally and spiritually crumbling as a society. Not only that we are spiritually falling apart, but not only that we are, uh, that is causing emotional harm and causing broken hearts and causing hearts to fall apart in many people in society, but false teaching and false preaching is making it worse. Our fast-moving, rapidly changing world, there are many people unable to hold on and to hold out. And then they surrender to sin and Satan. And the world is so confused. 
They're confused by the church. They're confused by false teachers. They are confused by many a pastor. They're confused by many a headmaster in school. They're confused by many a teacher at school. And we have a generation of church-going folks who are living in sin, enslaved to sin, and addicted to sin. A generation with demonic strongholds in their lives. A generation that is shattered by demonic forces. A generation that long ago has forgotten what it means to take authority over evil spirits and demonic forces. A generation that needs a pill to wake up and a drink to go to sleep. And those of us who have been given the gifts of of spiritual and emotional healing, reluctant to use them to the detriment of the church of Jesus Christ at large. Beloved, listen to me. I don't say this with joy. We have churches that are packed with people, but empty of the Holy Spirit's power. Because God's people have taken this spiritual Christian exercise as just mere intellectual activities, something you do on Sunday, you go to church late, and then you leave early. Just this week, I saw some statistics that nearly 50% of hospital beds are occupied by people whose root problem is spiritual and emotional. And we as God's, as Jesus' people, have long given up on taking authority over the enemy. But then also the Bible speaks of physical healing. Yes, I'm one of those people who believe that God still healed today. I don't believe that you can put God in a box. And you can say, He can do this, this, this time, and He can do this, this time. I just, that's not me. I believe a whole Word of God. We don't pick and choose. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ opened the eyes of the blind. He made the deaf to hear. He made the lame to walk. And He made the mute to speak. Later on, we read how Peter and John were walking to the temple. And there they saw a man who was lame from birth begging. And they looked at him and they said, Silver and gold have we none, but what we have we give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man got up and walked. And I'm telling you, and this is a rebuke to me, we have churches that have silver and gold but lost the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the story is told about Thomas Aquinas when he was touring the Vatican. And they showed him all the wealth of the Vatican. And one of the cardinals turned to him and said, You see, Thomas, today the church can no longer say, Silver and gold have I none. And Thomas Aquinas said, Yes. Neither can we say, at the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Acts 8, 6, and 7, Philip used the gift of healing and got the paralyzed person healed. In Acts 28, 8, Paul was shipwrecked in Malta. He was shipwrecked, but even there in his predicament, he laid hands on the father of Pablos, and he was healed. In each case, the healing was instantaneous. But the one thing you must notice in the book of Acts, this is where you're truthful to the whole Word of God. The one thing that you notice, that not only the healing was instantaneous, but it was rare. Those who had the gift of healing used it sparingly. For if that was correct, Paul could not heal Epaphroditus, who was sick for a long time. Philippians 2.25 
Timothy was sick for a long time. Why did Paul leave Trumophus sick in malicious in 2 Timothy 4.20? And the question is often asked, does God heal today? The first thing you need to know is that God's character is unchangeable, that God's character is consistent, that God is not the God of a formula, that God is not a vending machine where you put exactly the exact change and then you get the product you want. God does not deal with two people in the same way, just there are no two people alike. God heals in a variety of ways. He may heal instantaneously in response to faithful prayers. On other times, He used doctors and medicine that may take a long time. On other times, and I believe today with all my heart that God uses believing doctors. But nonetheless, their whole trust is in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring physical healing. But sometimes there's no physical healing. There is complete healing when a person goes to glory and receives that body that is absolutely, I can't wait for. (laughs) There is no pain, there is no hurt, there is no sin. That is the complete healing. And if we forget that we are sojourners and travelers and that we are going to glory, then you're going to get into trouble. Who determines healing? Certainly not the person with the gift. Certainly not the patient. Only the sovereign. Lord Jesus Christ, He determines in His sovereign will how to use the gifts, when to use the gifts. So what is that gift? It's the ability to pray in faith and see God intervene supernaturally. It's that simple. But we must understand that according to Matthew 9.35, Jesus is the only one who healed everyone everywhere. But even when He sent the 70 and He gave them authority and He said, you go out, and they went out and they were healing and they were delivering people, and then they came back rejoicing, He said to them, the greatest joy should be that your name is written in the book of life, your spiritual healing. Your spiritual healing is of uttermost importance because it's going to determine all of your eternity, not just a few years you're going to live on this earth. But you see, you've got to understand, in the time of Jesus, the Pharisees, who had a, a program for everything, you see, they come up with this system that said, if you don't get healed, it's your fault. <laughs> really. That's a Pharisaic teaching. But not only that, they taught that every disease now is associated with sin. Now, the Bible says there are something, and I'm going to show you in a minute, some diseases are related to sin, personal sin. But not every one of them. For example, they said that if you have dropsy, it is a result of immorality. Jaundice was a result of hatred. Poverty is a result of pride. Liver trouble is a result of backbiting. And that leprosy is a result of an evil tongue. My goodness, I've seen a lot of evil tongues. They didn't have leprosy. But (laughs) see, that's why Jesus had to challenge all this stuff. He had to challenge it. Now, the Apostle Paul shows us that there are some illnesses associated with disobedience and continuous disobedience. He was telling the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 30. Chapter 11, verse 30. He told them that some among them were abusing the Lord's table because some of them didn't realize what they were doing coming to the Lord's table with respect and with fear and with reverence and with repentance in their faith. He said, some of you, that's why some of you are sick and even died. 
Ah, but not all diseases come as a result of sin, personal sin. But all diseases come because we live in this fallen world. But you don't have to take my word for it. The Lord Jesus Himself shattered the stop of thinking of the Pharisees in John chapter 9. When the disciples who bought that false teaching coming to him said, Now, whose sin? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus said, None. Neither. And he shattered that Pharisaic teaching. Was Paul in the flesh a result of sin or lack of faith? Uh, listen, I've heard preachers who say that. <laughs> I'm not worthy to even shine his shoes to accuse the apostle, the great apostle of sin or lack of faith. Hear me right, please. Those who have healing gifts do not exercise them depending on the faith of the patient. No, they exercise their gifts depending on God's sovereign will and desire. Beloved, be very careful of the counterfeit gifts that can be exercised by demonic forces. Listen, there are times when God delays the healing, and He has His reasons. Who knows the mind of God? Sometimes he lets us know, sometimes he doesn't. Some years ago, John Stott was doing an evangelistic series of messages on the campus of Sydney University. And the last night, the very last night where it was going to be the, the highlight of all the whole evangelistic outreach on the campus of that great school, he lost his voice. So the students gathered around him and prayed, Lord, please heal John Stott. <laughs> And he prayed, said, Lord, please, this is the last night. I really need your, your healing. He wasn't healed. As he himself will put it, he said, I croaked the gospel. <laughs> he said, I croaked the gospel, preaching with a microphone literally less than an inch away from my mouth. And yet for years, every time he comes back to Australia from England, somebody would walk up to him and say, I came to the Lord the night you lost your voice. Beloved, don't put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. God may delay His healing, but He has His purpose. In times, He's waiting for a person to deal with a deep sin in their life. It could be because He is using it for the person's spiritual growth and growing and trusting God. In fact, the Apostle Paul's conclusion when he was not healed of that thorn in the flesh was that God was using it to add humility to his character. Here's what he said. He said, I know because some of the unique revelations, and I'll give you a Yusuf translation. <laughs> he said, he did it so he can keep me from having a swollen head. And he said, that's why I prayed three times that God had not answered my prayer. Well, God showed him why, but sometimes God doesn't tell us why. Had Paul had a wife, he would not have to worry about the swollen head issue. She would have cut him down to size in a heartbeat. <laughs> it's like that young seminary graduate, just finished seminary, went to the first church, preached his first sermon, and he was feeling good about himself, and he went to his wife, and he said, Now, honey, he said, let me ask you a question. How many great preachers are there? Without even batting an eye, she said, One less than you think. <laughs> Thank God for our wives. Look at Paul's conclusion when he prayed three times. 
And I have no doubt in my mind that he genuinely prayed. He probably fasted. He remembers those three times. He always took time to pray. He said, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Just like what happened in John Stott's case and many other cases. Does that mean we don't pray for physical healing? Absolutely not. Those three times, as I told you, he probably prayed and urged the Lord. And until he got a clear revelation, he was praying. And we need to do the same. Listen, I know, I know, I know I live long enough to know that it's easy to get complacent about good health. It's easy to expect good health. It's easy to take good health for granted. It's easy to take credit for good health. And yet, often the times when we're flat on our backs, that God gets our attention. Sometimes God does not heal immediately so that He may get greater glory. Whatever He has in mind, He's a sovereign God. And we come to Him in humility. Emily Gardner Neal was an agnostic reporter, and she was determined to expose what she called the myth of Christian healing. And in the process of her research, she ran straight into Jesus. And later she wrote the following. She said, We are often led astray by the false assumption that God can be glorified only by witnessing a physical healing. The truth is that some of the most effective witnesses that impacted my life were people who were flat on their backs and yet expectantly awaiting the healing of God's grace, who at the same time were giving God glory in the middle of their illness. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.